Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show with today's guest, Scott Hall, Telecommunications Manager at Gaston Electrical. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is a podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. In this episode, Scott and I discuss the future of power over Ethernet, what it is, what are the current and future uses in construction, what it means for the future of buildings, and how we'll build. Today's show is brought to you by Central, commercial carpenters, and supporters of our conversation. Enjoy the show. Hey, Scott. Welcome to Mass Construction Show. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. Today, Scott, I'm pretty excited. There's been this topic. Uh, a friend of mine sent it to me a couple of years ago, this woman, Amber Beard, and she works in the sustainability space, and that's kind of where she went into it. And, but uh, long story short, she had mentioned, hey, have you heard of this power over Ethernet thing? And I said, no, I have no idea. But then I started doing a little digging. And to me, it seems like it holds a lot of promise in multiple areas. Yep. Know, energy reduction, the whole Internet of Things, data collect data collection, being able to use predictive analytics, maybe machine learning, simple power reduction. If you're looking at the whole goal for net zero and reducing carbon footprint kind of thing where you can kind of reduce energy. So there was this whole, you know, group of things that all seemed like they converged for power over ethernet to make sense. But where I'm coming from is I'm very novice on the electrical and tell data side of things as well, how that all works. And I'm yep. lucky. I don't really even know what my router does. I know I have a router and <laughs> I have an idea, but that's just not my thing. So I thought it'd be a good idea to bring on someone like yourself who could talk about it and help educate people that listen to the show. You know, what is power over Ethernet and what does it mean to us in the construction market? And should we be paying attention right now? Or is this something that, hey, get to know it, but it's coming, or is it here? So those are really all the things that I'm hoping to kind of suss out today. But I think a great place to start would be what is power over Ethernet? Yep. Maybe yeah. Enlighten us? Yeah, not a problem. And you're right in the avenue of moving towards Ford Future, you know, sustainability, uh, network flexibility, everything you mentioned on what's kind of predictive and analytical upcoming. POE is a great enabler of all those things. So very simply, it's power over Ethernet, Ethernet being twisted copper cabling, you know, category cabling. People are usually familiar with it as in the construction space. It's everything low voltage on the telecommunications or teledata side that we install coming from Gaston Electrical. So uh, kind of starting in the early 2000s is when this came about. It was developed for voice over internet IP phones, VoIP phones. So if you have a desk phone that, you know, anytime now, everything is usually installed that way. It's got a data cable going into the back. It doesn't have a power cord plugging into a 120 volt outlet anymore. So it powers the phone while also bringing data over that same twisted pair of cabling. So that's what started the genesis of POE back in 2003 and has now evolved through four different iterations and potentially evolving more into the future to power all these edge devices that are network enabled. Okay. So you have. So just in a basic sense, it's one cable. And now tell me this, like I hear when I look at particular cables like this, 
Some will say that's an Ethernet cable. Someone's going to say, it's a, oh, it's a Cat5 cable. It's just random names. Someone might say, oh, it's a phone cable. Are, we all talking, are they talking about the same thing there? For Ethernet and category cabling, correct. Yeah, it's, it's the network cabling that's in there. Uh, the categories are all different ratings. So there's, there's a meaning behind a category 5E or a category 6 or a 6A type cable. But to the layman who, you know, they just work in an office and they don't pay attention to it, Ethernet cable is usually what it's called, and it's what connects them back to their network. Yeah. And then you have that Ethernet cable. It usually has that little kind of clip connection that would go into the back of a router or a phone Correct. or something like that. Yep. What you're saying is via that cabling, it supplies both power and Ethernet, so information and power. And how does it work? You mentioned the multiple twisted wires in there. Is it one yep. set of that pairs is sending power, the other one's uh, information? What's yep. No, that, that's a great way to think of it. And uh, so the, there's currently four types of PoE. Uh, so it evolves from the initial one in 2003, type one PoE. It would take two pairs of the four that are in the cable, transmit power, and then the other two were used for data. So if you're sending you know, audio with packets of information for uh, an email or some video transmission, you'd use one or the other. As this evolved through type one and type two, use two of the four pairs, type three and type four, which are your higher wattages, 60 and 90 watt. Mm -hmm. Those use all four simultaneously and transmit data and power over the same four pairs. Okay. Now, this is just out of my own curiosity. When you have the different wires and you're saying now the newer technology has both power and information, I'll say, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. data, um, heading on the same line. Would those lines typically would, you know, would a uh, audio message go over one line, video go over another? And No, the, yeah, they'll utilize all four pairs kind of simultaneously. So it's uh, the, the way the information is kind of, packetized on the um, communication side, we'll call it, right? Because even mm -hmm. if you're sending video or you're sending an email, any kind of telecommunications is at the end of the day, like you said, it, it's communication aspect. That'll all get packetized and out. And the mm -hmm. current is through the cable at such a low wattage that it doesn't disrupt those packets in their transmission. Okay. So they've got that Ethernet cable. It sends information and power to the point in a simple version. It's a phone some other areas yes. card readers yeah there's a, there's a lot of edge devices so any wireless access point that gives you your wi-fi in a home or, or office is typically powered over poe uh access control devices like you said card readers um some electrified strikes that, that do that those are poe enabled video cameras so anytime you look up and you see the little dome camera up that's usually a poe camera at this point now because they're all ip based and need to be on a network really any edge device that's on a network you think nurse call stations in a hospital you mm -hmm. think there's some componentry now in like an hvac system that like a vav unit or something along those lines that has a network capability to it um, poe lighting has the you know sensors built in and capability to do that uh displays or a new uh technology that that's going to become more prevalent in the AV space and digital signage walking into a building. Anything that needs to kind of be on the network or be captured by the network for monitoring or, or censoring, if you can 
make a network connection to it, you can likely power that device with power over Ethernet. Okay. Wow. When you say edge device, what do you mean when you say an edge device? Yeah. So everybody thinks of like the IT closet or the server room and they walk in and a lot of racks and machines with blinky lights and whirring and making a lot of noises. That's where all the uh, equipment is, right? So the, the server, the switches, the patch panels that connect everything through. Throughout the building, those wires snake out and goes to another endpoint. That could be a workstation that somebody sits in at their desk. That could be the camera in a hallway that's monitoring that 24-7. Could be the access control reader. Could be a wireless access point. Anything that's on the edge of the network, that edge device is what's powered by PoE. Got it. So like an, oh, well, you could say end device too. Not that Correct. that one's name, but like it's, I gotcha. Yep. Okay. So I think everybody that's listening has probably heard of, you know, they know that the phone on their desk in their office and their cubicle or whatever is that, and they see their router and they've probably come across cameras and that type of thing, especially if they're in construction. But what has changed from the things that make all the sense in the world that we know of like a camera. Okay. Yeah. I need power to that. And I need uh, data because I need the information to come back so I can record it. What has changed that's moved from devices like that to lighting and VAV boxes? Like what, what drove that? Was it? So uh, technology obviously is the, the driver for a lot of it, having the capability to have a network switch that can push out, the power and send it over that twisted pair cabling, having the end device or edge device that can accept that and you know be powered for it. As that kept evolving, it drew the need for, all right, we can do this with a phone that only takes 15 watts or less. A camera typically takes around 30 watts. They developed that. You know, technology and those devices kept driving it further and further forward to the point that now we have this plethora of devices that can be powered on it. And those standards have kept evolving. The most recent one was in 2018. That's what got you up to 100 watt. Realistically, it operates around 90, um, just based on the way the pairs divide out and uh, you know, 15 watt per pair multiplied out into um, 40 over the switch port, but, um, or 45 over the switch port. But getting to that point where it's at now 90 watt operating or 100 watt capability from a switch, those standards had to evolve with that. Otherwise, you wouldn't have anything usable. It wouldn't be able to be safe or reliable for everyday commercial use or residential use potentially. Okay. So I saw that, and this is just because I did a little homework, not because I know this stuff, but the IEEE is the standard, right? And. I think it's important to understand that you need the codes to keep up with the technology. Correct. Yeah. Uh, it could, people are sick of hearing me say it, but energy storage, classic example, we're do, we were doing all these things with energy storage and wanting to do in-home energy storage. And this past year, the fire and building commissioners state on the state level came up with a bulletin because the technology was getting ahead of the codes. Yep. But it sounds like with POE as of 2018, now both the technology and the codes are aligning to give you up to that 100 watts. And like you said, in reality, maybe it's 90. I've heard in reality it might even be 70 watts. Um, when you yeah. Start. 
So there's the like continuous draw that something will use on there. And when it's up and running, um, you, you know, 90 maybe is in the, the start point when you plug it up and it gets that initial vol. But yeah, the 70 is kind of what we'll call operating power on a lot of those devices. So you're spot on on that. But uh, yes, code and standards drive everything, right? If you're installing a telecommunication system, it's a structured cabling system that has standards put in place. Obviously, if you're installing an electrical system, there's NEC codes at both the state and local level that you need to abide by. So that really drives everything, both in terms of how you're going to design a system, how we're going to install a system here at Gaston, and then what the limits of that system are. Hmm. So now when we make the leap, because I think where things really get interesting is you're alluding to VAV boxes, lighting, because for obvious reasons, VAV is controlling temperature, right? So you want, uh, and the whole point of a VAV system is to be able to have one office have one temperature and another office have another temperature to have that variable, you know, change in, in temperature between rooms. So ideally to have information traveling to that box in the same way as the power that runs a box is really beneficial. And the same thing with lighting presumably and be able to give you operability especially like in a conference room or something like that like oh we want just these three lights to be out so we can see the projector and but to me i think about it and say okay you're not just going to run ethernet cable from an electrical panel correct right? how does that logistically work do you have to create like one hub somewhere like above each each room has a hub above it and then you plug in the ethernet cables and those ethernets go to all the light fixtures. How does that yep. no. look like in practicality? Great question. So everything goes back to a network switch that'll typically be in like the IT closet or the IDF on a floor for a commercial building or go back to an endpoint. If it's a smaller location, they'll have a, a closet somewhere that'll have their rack with their switch and everything on there. So it ultimately goes back to the network switch. It has to be a network switch that's enabled to provide PoE and that's the, the transmission from switch to device is over that cable back to the switch. Now, the switch itself on a rack typically is uh, installed into a UPS, so like a uninterrupted power system, battery backup. Um, that needs to be rated for the right load. Uh, so you figure how many devices are going to be PoE enabled through your switch. Then you can do a calculation to figure out the right load and uh you know, amperage that you need to cover for on the UPS. That UPS in turn needs the right load back into the line voltage because uh, it goes through a traditional electrical outlet. So if you need a 30 amp outlet to give you enough wattage to support your UPS, to support your network switches, that's your from the electrical room to the device over PoE pathway. Okay. Now, I heard you say that the UPS is plugged in. Is the switch just plugged in? Or would there ever be a case where if it's trying to do enough distribution that it would be hardwired with MC cable or something like that? It's Or is it always going to be just plugged in? Yeah, this is the, currently they're plugged in, you know, goes through a uh, power distribution unit that'll kind of, you know, monitor it and make sure there's an even power load into that UPS. As the standards are right now, that's the pathway for it. Um, maybe as things evolve and technology requires more and more, 
there could be a need to hardwire those in. But if someone's got a you know Cisco switch or another manufacturer that they're utilizing for their PoE capability on their switch, it just gets plugged in into the power management system. Okay. And now, do you think, I'm just thinking from a, from a size standpoint, if you had a pretty large floor, would you need one with pretty good size rooms? Like let's say they were labs or something like that, where you usually have pretty decent size room, fair amount of lighting in them. Would you need a switch for every lab or could a switch, one switch handle a floor? What's, what's kind yeah. of the capacity on a switch? Yeah, capacities will be either port size. So typically 48 ports would be the maximum on a switch and you can, you know, yeah, pick different uh, switches based on how many devices you're looking for, or how many you need to power, or really what type as well, because they'll have different designations of uh, PoE capability built in inherently into the switch. So you have that limitation is port size on a switch. The only other additional limitation is uh, category cabling. The, the standard for that allows for 100 meters, and it's really 90 meter of a permanent link between the closet and the, where you're patching into the patch panel and the device, but including patch cords, that gives you 328 feet to work with to you know build out a floor or potentially multiple floors, depending on the size of the building. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, because I've actually, in reading, I saw that you can get extenders. So let's say you have like a campus and you wanted cameras all over the place and it's a giant right. campus. Um, it's almost a way to even get further distances if you put an extender on it. Correct. Yeah. It'll boost the signal. A lot of times if you're going to send something further out, that POE extender will keep that, um, the signal, the wattage at a higher rate to get you that extra distance. If you have, you know, a camera mounted in the top corner of a building and that's the one device you have up there and it doesn't make logistical or practical sense to put, you you know, an IT closet closer to there, you might not have that capability. So POE extenders are out there. Um, you know, typically they're designed for ahead of time through an engineering firm mm-hmm. to specify that, but yeah, that, that would be a viable solution. Okay. Now, will you need individual switches for each component? And I guess by what I mean by that, would the VAVs be on one switch, lighting be on a different switch, cameras be on a separate switch, just because of the technology that's not like an interchangeable Yes. So the technology wouldn't matter as far as like the operability of it, but who owns the switch and who's monitoring the switch that usually does matter. And so you usually see a segmentation of exactly what you just said with uh, facilities looking to control lighting and HVAC and some of the building management and automation systems. And then the video surveillance or security system or an AV system that might have digital signage or uh, IP speakers and, and paging on a system mm-hmm. that, that typically houses more on the networking side. But as I'm sure your listeners are well aware of, as these things converge and you have smart buildings and converge networks and IOT and all these fun buzzwords that are really cool, interesting technology. And that's the driver on where everything's headed. Mm-hmm. There's a need for all of that to be managed by the IT team, at least in some capacity in conjunction with facilities, um, Property management owners probably want to say and what's going on in their buildings. There's more visibility to it. So uh, the long-winded answer is there's, there's going to be a lot of ownership. The physical switch doesn't matter what's plugged in next to it, but who mm-hmm. owns that switch and who has visibility to it, that's where the decision is made. Okay. Yeah, well, the question was 
kind of similar. You you may have somewhat answered it, but do you think we're going to a place where there'll be one central hub? Very much. Yeah. Yeah. So at all, like right now it's fragmented, but we're going to get to a place where there's going to be a building management system that manages everything. Correct. Yeah. The infrastructure allows for it. So I'm including the switch in that. And then as these stakeholders all have common values that they want to explore as they go through it, mm-hmm. yes, it'll be one hub and it'll usually be housed now in, in like the IT closets and back to an MDF or the main server room that that'll be the focal point and everything will branch out from there that's POE enabled. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense, I would think, with technology, right? Like these switches in different you know, someone that discovers how to manage lighting, someone that manages temperature, someone that manages this. But at the end of the day, there's going to be a procuror of the world that comes along and says, yeah, we'll do document management, drawings, accounting, and be able to pull it all into one thing and and do that. So you agree that that's kind of probably where we're headed? Yeah, and in some cases they're working on right now, we're involved in a project in downtown Boston that the entire building is a converged network. So you need a, uh, a master systems integrator who kind of pulls everything together and has these, what used to be completely disparate systems, the, the HVAC system and the building management system had really didn't care what the base building network architecture was for the voice and the data side of things. Now that it's all the same physical infrastructure and it needs to communicate because you need all the systems to somehow inter- interoperate with each other, yeah, that management pulls it all into one piece that someone needs to walk in and access everything together. Hmm. So let's talk about what, why we want to do this and like what are kind of maybe some of the exciting things that yep. could come about. I'll tell you what I think, and this, this whole thing is probably going to be me saying something and you uh, at least to some degree correcting me. But yeah, lay it on um, me. Like I look at it and think personal health even right and a lot of wellness where i think we're gonna get to a place where someone's gonna want to know the air quality of the space they're in they're gonna want probably like lighting that's done on a circadian rhythm type method where at a certain time of the day you want more blue light and then as the day goes on you want more of like a a yellow or orange type light happening and Uh, I've learned this from Mike Weber uh, and Brian Jasinski. There's the term, uh, was it color temperature? Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Yep. So the color temperature of the light can change over time. So is that where this happens, which is we have this lighting system that now can not only do what everybody maybe thinks of with lighting control, which is we have a cocktail party in the room. We want to dim the lights. We have a presenter. We want half of the room bright, half of it dark, but it's really going to the place where we can handle that color temperature change throughout the room. And that kind of, is that, is that where the benefits of this lie? And are there other things on lighting that I'm not thinking about? Yeah, no. So so that's certainly one, like, like you said, the flexibility of allowing for those different uh, environments to be created. Um, If you are a property management company and you're trying to attract tenants into your building, you want to give them that flexibility. They want that transparency. They maybe want to pick it for themselves Joe, your office might look different than my office, or if we have a lab space that obviously needs to be lit differently than a conference room, all those things you just said, uh, the 
tenant probably wants to control a lot of that aspect themselves. Mm-hmm. Having a device that's network enabled and PoE equipped, yes, you can certainly have give them that access so they could set those limits. Or maybe you wanted to monitor it because you're checking your ROI and you really want to make sure you're getting those energy savings that you think you're getting or you were promised that you were getting by installing LED lighting and and some of these other things. It allows for that to happen. Basically, if you're you're looking to capture any kind of data through those systems and you need to have a sensor point on it, having that connected and enabled, um, it's going to be provided by power provided by PoE. Mm-hmm. that'll allow it all to be captured. Yeah. And then how about just the flexibility on maintenance? Cause I think about the fact that right now, if a two by two light went out in some office building and they sent me up to change it. Like <laughs> things not going anywhere. Yeah. But yep. if it's as simple as I'm unclipping that in the back, taking the light fixture out, putting a new light fixture in and, and clipping it back in. Is it, is it that simple? It is pretty, yep, that is pretty much that simple. And if there's a new cabling need to be run, so the flexibility of scalability, I'm adding a lot of devices. Hey, we're going through an upgrade and we added new access points onto this floor. We added some cameras or now we need a paging system. So we're adding these IP speakers in there. The, the, the scalability of casting a wider area of device, PoE makes that a lot easier. You're running one cable instead of two. You don't need to run a power cable and a data cable. Um, to your point, it's the RJ45 plug plugging right into it, right? Very easy to make that connection. And the wiring itself, class two wiring, you have a, a wider pool of people that can install that. Could it be anybody? So a, a, a licensed uh, professional should be the one installing it. Um, I, I would you know, certainly caution anybody looking to just plug in a PoE device into a switch, plug it into a, a, an outlet it's not a properly designed system. So you want to make sure somebody's kind of vetted it out, but assuming all of those things are in place, the actual physical installation of the wire to the device, that's something our technicians do. It's something our electricians do as well here at Gaston. Um, You know, it kind of runs the gamut depending on what the actual device is. We do for low voltage systems and security AV. And like I said, uh, wireless access points for networking, that all falls in the scope of our technicians. Yeah. And I mean, I understand that again, just doing homework, not that I am walking around knowing this information and doing a little reading up. There can be issues with the output of the port you're plugging into, let's say Mm -hmm. Um, some of them, they say, just are smart enough to know if the device is calling for power or not. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you could plug, let's say you plugged your computer into a ethernet port and that happens to be a POE one that's sending power to your laptop when you just thought you were plugging in trying to get internet that could cause a problem because you don't want power. And then there's some that are smart enough to be able to tell the difference that, Oh, mm-hmm. Hey, this, this device is not calling for power. I'm not going to send power over this. So yes, there's certainly, I'm not saying it should be just anybody uh, throwing cable all over the place and wiring up a, a, a floor, but for a simple swap out, like my phone is dead. They send me a new one in the mail and I plug it. Take it out, plug it in. It really is. It's a plug and play system for a lot of things. And, uh, 
yeah, yeah th that ease of installation part of it definitely adds to uh, a big reason on why adoption is probably dramatically increased in the last 20 years. Yeah. And I have to imagine if that that is only going to continue as technology improves. Exactly. Because yep. I mean, I think just the flexibility, be able the ability to be able to add an additional light somewhere at, you know, relatively low cost, but more so just less invasive, mm -hmm. you know, and to be able to do it with a relative speed. Yep. I think that seems really appealing. And I think that goes a long way in the construction, construction and property management. Yep. No, agreed completely. And think about like what our homes are like now. Uh, you have a, a Nest thermostat and a ring doorbell and my garage door opener and my sprinkler system are network enabled. And so as you keep adding all these things that, like I said, they're capturing some sort of data or some sort of manageability on the network mm -hmm. using POE to power them. You're already running the networking cable to, to, to get that data back or transmit something to it. Now providing the power over the same cable, the installation is just that much easier. Where do we go from here? Do we get to, is there a natural um, cap on what we can run off of Ethernet cable because of safety or technology or licensing like what what where do we go i mean we're not gonna have dryers hooked up to it right any of these heat generating appliances correct yeah they, they would draw too heavy of a load um so technology is going to be a big play in that right i think probably in 2003 when this was first out there they didn't foresee doing digital signage in a display through uh you know up to 100 watts so as technology keeps getting better i i don't want to say sky's the limit but they're certainly going to develop things and find ways to make this happen that could operate on the same kind of footprint that poe sits in right now um i do think there's some limit to just look at what devices you're trying to power up um, and, and that really is going to determine what makes sense, traditional line voltage versus PoE. And that'll really be the determining factor is that end device. What does it do? How does it run? What is the uh, startup time? What does what the initial spike load look like? Like that'll really be the determiner for does it make sense for PoE or line voltage? Okay. So say, uh, just we repeat that a little um, or maybe rephrase. So you're saying it's just going to be uh, a mix of, whether you need data on it, whether there's a yeah, it, that it, is if it doesn't need to provide anything back or if it's a dumb device, like I don't think they're coming out with smart ovens anytime soon. Um, who knows? Um, yeah. But but I, any of these things where it, the load is so large, or if you think about like a lab space, they have these uh, chiller rooms and you know a lot of different equipment in there that it's not moving around, doesn't need to be flexible doesn't need any kind of, uh, you know, special network connectivity. That'll all be powered traditionally in the same way you would wire any of those devices up. Um, if you need it to be flexible in install, if you need to be flexible in kind of deployment and where it's going, if it's a lighter load and that lighter load is probably already covered under the current standards, that's where POE would be a better fit for it. Yeah. So those, 
those higher loads we just won't get to. I mean, do you think we're capped at 100 watts? Like, is there a a safe amount of electricity to be running through Ethernet cable? Where if you get beyond that, it's just not a safe. Yeah, you have to start worrying about what's going over the cable itself and the impact to that. So uh, they actually have ratings out there for the cable, if it can handle the current that's going through it. Uh, LP or uh, limited power is the rating system for that. And when you have these cables going through a conduit or in a confined space or in a cable tray with other cabling on there, you know, they're bundled in a configuration and they're kind of tightly packed in there. Sending a current constantly provides some sort of ambient heat temperature. As that rises, you then have other environmental issues of can the cable can continue to perform? Can it transmit the data of you and I talking right now while also running the current continuously? So uh, that's why the standards are in place to limit that. I think if it goes higher than that, you potentially have to look at higher evolutions or different standards of a shielded cable or different jacket constructions. And then there's obviously costs associated with changing the actual infrastructure out. Yeah. And then I would think the licensing of it would change. I think like as the Watts, because that's typically what they measure them as those, that right. goes up. Yep. They're going to say, okay, we don't want a homeowner or the maintenance person handling this. We, cause we don't want them to say, Oh, Hey, you know what? I'm going to, take a pair of pliers and cut this a little shorter and put a new clip. You know what I mean? We're dealing with a, something where you want someone qualified and licensed to deal with that. Is Correct. And it all goes home, a uh, home run back to where the switch is located. So it's not as easy as just, Oh, uh, I see a light over here and I'll, I'll daisy chain and snip it off of that. That's, that's not how this would operate. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a cost benefit of, does it make sense? One, can the switch manufacturer provide a switch that pushes more power? Yeah, they probably have that technology or have the capability to put it together. Can we come up with a pathway over cabling that can handle the higher load? Yes, again, that might be more cost prohibitive than just installing a traditional outlet would be. So mm-hmm. as the costs kind of fluctuate or come down on that, then the technology will make it viable to be adopted and then it'll need to be you know, revisited by the standards committees and, and figure that out. Yeah. And it's funny. So there's like that, let's say there's a cap, but we don't know what it is from a wattage standpoint that, hey, once it gets beyond that, we don't have that, the capacity with that style cable, or you then need a licensed electrician to be dealing with something like that. But there's also the technology on the, I'll learn a new term, the edge device, right? Yeah which is uh, you, you look at a light fixture when we didn't have led lights, I don't know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago. I don't know when led lights came on the market, Yep. yep. but a hundred Watts wouldn't have done the trick. Right. But now you have an led light and led television screens would draw so much less power now power we ethernet. So it's like kind of a, okay, we might be capped here, but can we bring the use down on this side? And then now it becomes viable. Exactly. And yeah, if if LED is a technology that was very cost prohibitive, then it wouldn't make sense. But to your point, because that was so widely adopted and had a real cost savings and benefit, um, both upfront and long term over the life of a product, made all the sense in the world. And as you had that lower uh, 
draw of wattage on there, well, now you could safely provide power over PoE with that. Hmm. Okay. So the, the technology matters on a, lo- on a lot of levels to, to see. Correct. Yeah. The technology is going to drive everything. And uh, man, I don't want to dig this up 15 years from now and listen to myself talk about what I think technology is going to do and what's actually going to happen out there. Right. Yeah. That, that's funny that you bring that up. We had that, we just did a podcast on NFTs with a few folks that are in the construction space and we joked and we said, let's come back a year from now or two years yeah. from now and let's see either we're going to look really smart or we're going to look really stupid, yep. <laughs> you know, yep. but uh, either way it'll be funny uh, or fun. From an adoption standpoint, where are we at with yep. power mm-hmm. over and that? Like, I mean, if you want to use a football field analogy, you want to use a percentage, like where yeah. are we in this game? If you were to ask me just, hey, percentage-wise, number of jobs that Gaston is involved in, how many of them have some sort of aspect of POE on there? Mm-hmm. The answer is 100. Um, so going back to, honestly, we're not doing that many uh, you know, voice over IP phones and phone systems in general um, are, are kind of fading out of adoption. People are looking to like soft uh, codec systems, things that go through the laptop, not dissimilar to how we're meeting and talking right now, right? That's the way a lot of people speak these days and everyone's certainly used to video conferencing due to uh, the pandemic, but looking at shifting away from phones, you still have the wireless access points in a building, all those video surveillance and access control, physical security systems features. Those are all POE enabled devices and and that's how they're designed for. That's how they're uh, procured and installed. So we do those day in and day out on our low voltage side of the business. Mm -hmm. It's where the adoption on when it slides into that, they call it operational technologies, but anything that the building management system and facilities group is looking after, that's yet to see real adoption on a widespread level. That's where it's coming. That's it'll probably take maybe another iteration of technology to make it more commonplace. Something in the ease of interoperability where this is just the way we do things now. And that's the way these systems get designed and installed. So we're still quite early on the lighting. For the facility side. Yeah. Yeah. You could almost draw a line on what's IT managed and traditionally ran by the IT group, high adoptability of POE. What would be more on that facility side or the operational technologies yet early phases, early adoption, not anything widespread. Hmm. If people are interested, there's the, uh, I believe the hotel is called the Sinclair mm-hmm. Hotel in Fort Worth, Texas. They went pretty much full POE on the lighting. People want to kind of poke around. There's a decent case study floating out there. Maybe I'll throw it in the show notes if people want to look at that. At what point do you think this affects the license trade of an electrician as far as amount of work and i think like any new technology like the jobs just move around Mm -hmm. okay so there'll just be less time wiring up a light fixture and more time doing something else Uh, i'm not well equipped to (laughs) what that is is that you know is that thought processing is that thought process happening in the marketplace i would think it has to be if i'm gonna yeah, for sure. So it's something we look to explore. The, the very lazy answer is it's just going to depend on what the code says. If the code mm-hmm. says the device has to be powered by a class A electrician, they're the ones who provide power to it. Really, regardless, it has nothing to do with the method. It's that's who's 
rated and approved to install this. So um, that's the lazy cop out. Thanks, Joe. Uh, I answered your question. Later. Move on. Yeah. But yeah. to your point, the technology adopts. That means um, what used to be a cookie cutter. This is the way we installed it. Now you got to look at other things. You got to you know maybe bring in a systems integrator who needs to take the data coming out of that and, and add it to something else. And it's not as cut and dry as this is a technician or an integrator's responsibility or an electrician. But like it, it expands beyond that and allows for kind of a fluidity. Somebody like Gaston, we have both technicians and electricians. We're able to do both to that client and provide that piece. Uh, I think that's where the market will go more than anything else. There'll be um, a degree of specialization but the actual people providing that service will have all of those things as an offering to their client. The, what you're calling the integrator, what a lot of people might call the tech, the technician, it's going to become a lot heavier load on that technician. Yep. Well, or, or yeah, exactly the, the or more coordination on the company itself. Right. So if you Joe start a building or you want to build a building and Hey, this is going to be my property. And I know I need this and this is how I want these systems to communicate next to each other. And I'm actually going to maybe pitch uh, some of this to tenants coming in and they could help choose what they want their lighting to look like. And I'm going to show them energy savings and here's the ROI on what they could expect on that, they're going to want to see that. You're going to have to deliver on it. Maybe you know all the people to help coordinate that, or maybe you just say, Gaston, you've done this before. Help me figure this out. And then behind the scenes, it's our job to layer all those people together in the best appropriate, correct way to install it, right? So. Yep. Okay. It's funny because I just also think like even in residential, you look at hardwired interconnected smoke detectors. Mm-hmm with battery backup that seems to make so much sense to be a POE system. Agreed. That especially where you want to retrofit and you want as many homes as possible to be operating that way and get rid of just battery smokes, you know, which are not safe and not that they're not safe, but like don't get changed or they start chirping and people take them down or, whatever the issue with is, especially like when you look at a college town with all the old buildings, if you could just go POE smoke detectors relatively simply throughout, it would be, you know, something that would be really helpful and really, uh, I think valuable from a life safety and speed and cost and yep. seems like a no brainer. So I'll be interested to see where that. Yeah. Standards evolve, you know, they do revisions too all the standards that are out there and they, they, they are starting to take into account some of these changes and uh, technology evolutions and emergency lighting and things like that and allowing for POE to be included in these articles. Um, but it takes time to adopt. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited to see where this goes. I think to me, it seems like an absolute no brainer from all those fronts from people wanting more information to verify what their building is actually doing whether it's from an environmental standpoint, from a health standpoint, from a financial standpoint, everybody wants that information, just in a smooth running end product. People want to know that um, the environmental side of things, the energy reduction side of things, the, the specificity with which you can get 
what's the word I'm looking for? Like just basically individualized yep. uh, end results. Yep. Or all the, yeah, great way to put it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, maybe customized might be the, the better word, but just a customized system for individuals within a building. To me, I can't see where this doesn't just continue to gobble up more and more of the building. Yep. I think that's, yes. that's pretty exciting. So how about this? If if this is cutting edge, what else is out there? What's what's bleeding edge? And even if, if it's POE or otherwise. Yeah, it's so kind of on the horizon and in, in some early adoption phases for some other things. There's uh, 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 brands out there that are digital electricity is, is what I'm speaking to. And uh, there are manufacturers out there who have products and basically so the, the way you transmit data normally, one end breaks up, uh, you know, over a um, cable, it'll packetize the information and that and it'll reassemble itself. And that's the bits and bytes and, you know, works back through and it'll stitch together on the other end. And that's how you see my picture or hear my voice and understand what I'm saying. If you were to snip in the middle of that on the line, it'd be unusable because everything would be broken up into different packets. So rather than sending a current of electricity over that cable, it's packetizing the uh, current into really tiny kind of like micro watts and then reassembling it back on the other end um, and then providing electricity over a much longer distance and at a higher wattage capability. So this digital electricity can allow for, um, in some cases, up to 1,000 watts uh, when it needs to go all the way up a cell tower or, um, you know, this, it's used in large venue spaces, typically in the DAS and wireless world. So if you have antennas on the top of uh, Gillette Stadium, mm-hmm. those need to be powered. Digital electricity is a great way that is currently providing that. Um, I don't know IGLS specifically, but um, it, it, it's a way to send that power over there over a hybrid cable while also sending the data to and from to keep the bandwidth. Okay. So dig- digital electricity exists now. Correct. And it is what's the benefit is that you can get. Yeah, higher power, higher distance is, is, is the main over, selling point to that. Over a smaller cable or just higher power? Hi- higher power, higher distance. Yeah. So, so you, I wouldn't probably make sense to deploy in building. Um, and this is where it, it's so bleeding edge, it's still somewhat new to me. But when you need to go higher power, longer distance, it does transmit over a hybrid cable with both copper and fiber um, to keep, like I said, the bandwidth. If you think about the whole reason a cellular antenna or DAS antenna exists is to bring that signal in and ultimately you know, put it on your phone, my phone, everybody that's in an arena or an amphitheater. So having that hybrid cable transmit it. Now the hybrid cable doesn't make it smaller, doesn't make it more dense, but what would have needed several IT rooms or uh, an MDF and, and a lot of whole infrastructure to support all that, mm-hmm. now you can run over a combined cable, get that longer distance and put that antenna out on the top of a building or run up a cell tower that's in a remote area, something along those lines. Wow. All right. Fascinating. So yeah. maybe we're... Uh we come back again and talk digital. I'll have to do a little bit of homework. You and me both, but yeah, really cool technology. And like, as it keeps evolving, it'll, the use cases will keep expanding, right? Yeah. 
Awesome. Is there anything you felt like I we missed as far as POE goes? No, I, I just kind of reiterate highly scalable, right? So that's mm -hmm. uh, to add more devices. It's very easy to do. Um, it, if it needs to be network connected, if you want to get data to or from it, or if you need to capture data from it for any kind of um, you know, mo environmental monitoring or um, you know, ma mapping out what your building or your network needs to be doing, any of those things, that, that's what PoE is a good use for. So that, that's a nice starting point on should it be PoE or not, just to kind of sum back up to everybody. Awesome. All right, well, this is exciting. Uh, I did, I threw out a couple of polls on um, both LinkedIn and Instagram. And I didn't guide anybody at all. I didn't say what the acronym stood for. I just put out there, I'd have to look at it, but pretty much it says, you know, you know what POE is. And a capital P, lowercase o, yep. you know, high, uppercase e. And there was a surprising amount of people that didn't know the term. Yeah, I think it's something the, the average person doesn't even think about or concern themselves with. Something's just plugged in and it works and it operates. And what's behind the wall or what's back in the... Uh, the IT closet or the server room, they don't really concern themselves with. But it's a really cool enablement technology that allows for that to happen, right? Yeah. And I think that, obviously, a lot of those people that probably answered no just didn't know the term. Yeah. You might say, oh, yeah, well, I know that even a cable you know, gives you power stuff, too. So that's there. But I'm sure there's a lot of people that may have been completely green to this idea at all. Uh, and then there's other folks that might have been that are listening that might be well aware. But had no idea the capability and kind of where this thing is going. So I appreciate you coming and spending the time. I think everybody's going to get a lot out of this and, um, you know, just be kind of better at what they do by, by hearing these things. So. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing me on and, uh, yeah, look forward to, uh, next steps. And as this keeps evolving, what we see and, you know, to your point earlier, maybe a few years from now, there's this crazy revision in technology that brings us back to kind of see where we're at now. So. Yeah. And please, I know you, um, by a bunch of links you sent me, I know you <laughs> stay um, pretty up on this. So if you happen to come across something that's of interest, you know, please share yeah. it. I'm happy to obviously credit you and just say, hey, you know, Scott Hall sent this over to me and pretty interesting on the POE side. And so please, if you come across something, send it and I'll share it with everybody that listens. And uh, we'll that's great. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Scott. All right. Thanks, Joe. Take care. So MassCons, what'd you think? Are we a little too far ahead of the curve are we a little behind and this is already happening in a lot more places than we think about either way i'd like to hear from you i would love it if you could like share do whatever you see fit to help get the word out about this program and your feedback matters to me and the guests i know all of our guests always say hey if you hear anything back from folks i'd love to hear what what their thoughts were so the people that come on the show want to hear what you have to say so please reach out Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you use, TikTok, email, find a way, uh, use Anchor. You can leave a voice recorded message. Uh, you can make a donation. You can do any of that kind of stuff. So however you want to tell me, tell me, get the message over here, support the show any way you can. As you know, I always appreciate it. Take care.
the boulevard I landed. We used to kick routines and the presence was fitting. It was I, the abstract. And me, the five-footer. I kicks the mad style, so step off the Frankfurter. Yo, Fife, you remember that.